our first reading today comes from the prophet Jeremiah. Jeremiah received the Lord's words. Go down to the potter's house and I'll give you the I'll give you instructions about what about what to do there. So I went down to the potter's house. He was working on the potter's wheel. But the piece he was making was flawed. Well, still in his hand, so the potter started on another as seemed, as seemed best to him. Then the Lord's word came to me. House of Israel, can't I deal with, with you like this potter, declares the Lord, like clay in the potter's hand. So you are, so are you in my house of Israel? At any time I may announce that I will dig up, pull down, and destroy a nation or kingdom. But if that nation I warned turns from its evil, then I will relent and not carry out of harm I intended for it. At the same time, I may announce that I will build and plant a nation or kingdom. But if that nation displeases and disobeys me, then I'll relent and not carry out the good I intended for it. Now say, say the people of Ju Judah and those living in Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says. I'm a potter preparing a disaster for you. I'm working out a plan against you. So each one of you turn from your evil ways, reform your ways and your actions. And in our reading from Luke's gospel, Jesus shares again what his disciples demand us. Large crowds were traveling with Jesus turning to them and he said whoever comes to me and doesn't hate father and mother spouse and children and brothers and sisters yes in one's own life cannot be my disciple whoever doesn't carry their own cross and follow me cannot be a dis a disciple if one of you want to build a tower when wouldn't you first sit down and calculate the cost to determine whether you have enough money to complete it? Otherwise, when you have laid the foundation, but you couldn't finish the tower, all who see it will, it will begin to belittle you. And they will say, here's the person who began construction, couldn't complete it. Or what king would go to war against another king without first sitting down to consider whether his 10,000 soldiers could go up against 20,000 coming against him. And if he didn't think he could win, he would send a representative to, to discuss terms of peace while his enemy was still a long way off. In the same way, none of, of you who are unwilling to give up all your possessions 
may can be a disciple. This is the word of God for the people of God. May we be blessed in in our hearing. Of our hearts be acceptable to you, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. When I was in seminary, our preaching professor advised us against jumping right in to the text when beginning the sermon. We were told that we should find a way to ease the listener into the text rather than just bringing it on them. And now, while that's all well and good, but I cannot for the life of me figure out a way to ease into this text where Jesus tells us to hate our families and carry our cross. Those are some harsh words coming from our friend Jesus. There's just no sugarcoating it. So I guess what I can do, though, is I can set the stage for us so we can kind of understand the scene, what's going on around Jesus, and the context in which Jesus is speaking. Jesus is at a dinner party. This is the same dinner party that we read about last week. It's the one that begins at the start of chapter 14 and goes all the way into chapter 17. And having been invited into this party by the Jewish leaders, Jesus began, begins by observing what is happening in the room and then teaches the guests and the hosts about table manners, where you should sit, who should be invited, etc. This is in the reading we read last week. And in the kingdom of God, what Jesus is saying is that we see the inversion of hospitality in which those on the margins are placed front and center at the table to remind us that a community is only as strong as its weakest member. Those on the fringes become friends through table fellowship. And in the kingdom, hospitality is free and there's no expectation of reciprocity. It's unconditional service at the table, no strings attached. Jesus is inviting us to imagine a transformative web of relationships, an awesome little community, to quote myself from earlier this summer, an awesome little community woven together with grace and with mercy and strengthened through joyous connection across lines of difference. And while the Luke brings Jesus in to dine with the dignitaries, Jesus never forgets who's not in the room and tells these stories to illustrate how it should be all the time. Jesus is saying it doesn't matter who you are, you are invited to God's banquet. And the rest of us need to scoot over to make room for you. And it's at this point in the narrative that Jesus turns to the crowds that have been following him, a crowd that included his disciples and many other people, including ones he's healed, Jesus has a large crowd following him. He has a huge following. And so Jesus turns to them and talks about what, what he just said means for them. And for us to, in order for us to understand and to help us understand a little bit better about what Jesus is saying, 
I need to be clear what Jesus is not saying. Jesus was not then, nor is Jesus now, advocating for hostility or hateful feelings towards our family and friends. Now, I know often we want to soften Jesus' rhetoric to make it a little bit more palatable, but in this case, there is a good reason to do that. Because at the time of Jesus, telling someone to hate something was often a Jewish idiom for telling someone to love something less than they currently did. Now, I know my girls have been learning about idioms in school. Idioms are sayings that mean something different than what they say. And, and so Jesus was using this hyperbole and these extremes to help folks see that maybe their lives are kind of out of balance. Maybe they are focusing, maybe they need to focus just a little less on themselves, on their family, on their friends, and put a little more focus at who's not at the table yet, on who's being excluded from the table. One commentator described this as attentioned discipleship, and I would call it intentioned discipleship. What I think Jesus is saying is that we have to take serious consideration of the people and the things that have most influence and control over the shape of our lives. Is Jesus right up there with our family and our close friends? If not, Jesus should be. In our reading, then, Jesus goes on, after, or goes on to tell the two vignettes, further illustrating the demands of intentioned discipleship. One of a man building a tower who runs out of supplies, and another of a king who sets off to battle and discovers his forces are outnumbered. And in both cases, the problem arose because someone did not calculate the cost before starting out. Intentioned discipleship is understanding that following Jesus requires much of us. Yeah, Jesus is speaking in hyperbole here and, and parable, but Jesus is still naming the sometimes uncomfortable truth that when it comes to a life of faith, we cannot have our cake and eat it too. We want to embrace a Christianity that doesn't demand us to step out of our comfort zone. We want things to stay the same, or even better. We want things to go back to the way they were 30 or 40 years ago. And Jesus is reminding us that we can't. There is a cost to being a disciple. There is much required of us. And throughout this dinner party section of Luke's gospel, Jesus is painting this picture of the kingdom of God. You see, with Jesus, everyone, everyone, everyone is welcome. And this was scandalous then in Jesus' time because some people just couldn't handle the unconditional nature of God's grace. And to be honest, today some people still can't handle it. But Jesus is telling us that we have a part to play in making this happen. We are asked to use our gifts and our abilities on behalf of the community, accepting the sacrifice and complexity 
and inconvenience as a part of being a disciple. And as I mentioned last week and earlier today, we are embarking on a year of welcome to help us live into our vision to be a church reaching out into the community, sharing the gospel of Jesus and nurturing the faith of the next generation. Earlier this summer, I talked about the need to create these little pockets of community, of amazing community that are hyper-local, focused on building God's kingdom right here in our neighborhood, Stratford and Lordship. And rather than getting overwhelmed by thinking too big, which is, I think, what happens to me, for one, and probably to all of us, we think of this task ahead of us, any task, and we think too big. But if we focus on the little, on little concrete steps that we can do right here in our little corner of the world, our little neighborhoods, Lordship and Stratford, and focus on that, we can do it. I know these last few years have been difficult. It's been hard to find hope. It's hard to find hope. But that's where us, where we, the church, come in. As followers of Jesus, we know that there is always a hope beyond understanding. We know that hope is found in the unconditional nature of God, the unconditional love of God. We know that hope shows up in a community that builds each other up. We know that hope is there when we pray for each other and with each other. So this year of welcome is to spread this good news of hope to our community. And if we're going to live into this vision for our church, it's going to require intentioned discipleship from all of us. It can't be church as usual. It will require us to step out, each of us, to step out of our comfort zones, to try new things, new ways of reaching out. We require you to get over your fear of talking about your faith and embrace conversations about spiritual matters with folks outside the church. Require us to talk about how we live is based on what we believe. About the decisions we make and how God influences them. To make it, it require us to talk about the hope and the joy we find in community. Oh, but Pastor Jeff, I don't know if I can. I don't know how. I don't want to. You know, those are all valid responses. And I can help with the first two. And God can help us with all three. Our scripture reading from Jeremiah is one of my favorites when I'm feeling inadequate. Someone this morning mentioned to me that imposter syndrome is real, and it is. When we feel like we, we're, we're called into this new task, this new job, this new whatever, this new thing we're doing, and we don't feel like we're good enough. We feel like, oh, we're an imposter. It's real, and, you know, I feel it. I'm sure many of you do. So when I'm feeling that, I turn to Jeremiah, because if you recall, Jeremiah was called to be a prophet as a young boy. And God promised to show him the way and give him the words needed. And then later in life, 
when Jeremiah was struggling, God called Jeremiah to come to the potter to see what he was doing. The word came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Come. Go down to the potter's house, then I will let you hear my words. So I, I went down to the potter's house, and there he was working on his wheel. The vessel he was making of clay was spoiled in the potter's hand. And so he reworked it into another vessel, as it seemed good to him. And then the word of the Lord came to me. Can I not do with you, O house of Israel, just as this potter has done, said the Lord, just like the clay in the potter's hand? So are you in my hand, O house of Israel. That was from the message translation. And I absolutely love this idea of God as the potter and us as a clay, especially when I'm feeling less than capable. It's a reminder that with God's help, we are able to change and be remolded and to be reshaped into what God needs for this moment. God does not simply shape us once and for all. God does not simply breathe life into us and let us go. To this day, God reminds us we are like the clay that has not yet been fired. Elastic, malleable, able to be shaped and reshaped indefinitely. Friends, you are full of possibility. Moldable, flexible, responsible, responsive. And though God shaped you and breathed life into you, God did not fire the clay from which God made you. You are not only a tile, a bowl, a pitcher. God is able to shape you and reshape you. And God is laboring tirelessly at the potter's wheel on your behalf. Assessing your character, noticing your strengths, and molding you into the person God needs you to be. It's the same with the church. We are not a rigid institution incapable of change. Well, at least we're not supposed to be. I believe in us. I believe in you. I believe that the Lordship Community Church will continue to be a beacon of light and hope in our community for a long time. With God's help, we can do this. Amen.